guys, I'm Jen, owner of Jen Davis Design. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. We're so excited to welcome you to Better, a brand designer podcast. We have open and honest discussions about what it's really like to run a design business, diving into the stuff you just don't see on Instagram. We're all about giving you actionable advice and fostering a supportive community of the coworkers you're missing. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Welcome back to Better, the Brand Designer Podcast. We're super excited to be hanging out with you guys today. We're also really excited because we have a special guest, Alex Cottles from The Routine Creative, and we're so excited to have our conversation with him. But before we get started, we always begin with our intro questions. So Giselle, go for it. Yes. Alex, we're going to start with you first. What is one word people used to describe you and is it accurate? (laughs) That is a very good question. Thanks for having me, first of all. I would say most people, they used to describe me as shy, just like timid, introverted shy. But in the last few years, like since owning a business, it kind of forces you to put yourself out there. So I would say people say that I I think the word that comes to mind with people is friendly, I would hope. That's actually my impression of you as well. Oh, okay, perfect. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) Great. One word people have used to describe me that has surprised me was serious. And I'm a very silly person. I am shy. So I can be like, another word has been intimidating. So really? I can like at first be very quiet and yeah, kind of like reserved in a way, but it, you know, so people will take that as serious and like intimidating. Maybe they think that I'm some mean girl, <laughs> but I'm totally <laughs> the opposite of that. I'm very approachable. I'm super friendly. A lot of the times I like go up to strangers and just start talking to them. So I legit did that you, all the time when I was living in New York because I'm from Florida and I'm like, and people thought I was a crazy person. So <laughs> I kind of learned not to do that when I was there. But yeah. one word people used to describe me and I've never actually gotten this, but I feel this might just be a mindset thing, but I feel like people find me obnoxious. <laughs> I guess that's like one word I, I like just from people's reactions and my husband would probably agree with that 100%. I hope it's not accurate. I hope outgoing is more of an accurate adjective to yeah. represent me, but I'm like you Giselle. I I love talking to people and getting to know people and I'm always the girl at the mm-hmm. grocery store asking the the cashier how their day is going even if they don't want to be talked to. So I love yeah. being in a group I of totally people agree. that I've never <laughs> met before and who where everyone's feeling really like awkward and I love being the person that like breaks the ice. <laughs> well I'm it's glad like, you really are. Weird. I'm glad somebody's out there doing it, doing the hard work. <laughs> I mean it's funny because like I prefer doing the background work when I'm, you know, just sitting at my computer and doing the research. Like the client facing stuff is fun for me, but I do prefer just doing the illustrator stuff. So I don't know. Maybe I'm like a yeah. introvert in my business, but in real life I'm like, Yeah, there's there's going. levels. There's levels. But <laughs> yeah. Giselle, you're you're introverted, yeah. right? Yeah, I am. I'm totally an introvert. <laughs> I I'm like a an outgoing introvert, so people will think that I'm outgoing, and then there's a point that I just like when I'm around people for too long, I just start getting quiet. Yeah, like, right, it's like time yeah, shut, shut down mode. <laughs> totally. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, let's dive into our conversation. So, Alex, we would love if you could introduce yourself, share a little bit of background of how you got to where you're at, and then like kind of where you're going with your business, just so our listeners can get to know you. Fantastic. Will do. Thank you so much again for having me on. I think this podcast is just really cool and needed. There's very few like 
designer podcast. So it's just really cool that you guys started this. Um, so as far as me, I don't know. It's always, of course, weird talking about yourself, especially for me, because my journey has been so all over the place. <laughs> and like many others, I've been, I was just very multi-passionate in the beginning. But just to give a quick rundown of my journey, I've started freelancing pretty much straight out of college in 2013. And that was mainly because I was forced to, <laughs> because uh, I only had an associate's degree and nobody was hiring such a entry. Like it was that catch 22 of like, um, you don't have experience, oh, yeah. but you know, and all that. And like to get experience, you have to get a job. So it's like, no one would give me that chance. So I just started doing it myself. And in 2016, I believe it was, is when I officially started the routine creative which is my design studio that i'm currently running and now i am transitioning i wouldn't say transitioning i i kind of looked at it this way at first but i've kind of changed my mindset on this a little bit i was thinking i was transitioning into like an educator role and like because i've just started this new program called brand mentor which is like a membership for designers uh where i coach them and whatnot but I don't want it to be that. Like, I still love designing. I still have tons of design work coming my way. I'm still running the Routine Creative as a one-man show, and I'm okay with that. So I'm kind of like, I'm going to be growing as a designer and continuing to push myself as a designer and just continuing to hopefully land bigger and cooler and more exciting jobs while also bringing some designers with me on that journey and like helping them get to where I am today, which is much different than where I started <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, that's basically where I'm at in business. Uh, there's been so many things that I've done along the way, as far as like different business ideas that I've tried or different areas of design that I've explored, um, that I just realized weren't a good fit. Um, and you know, of course, as a creative person, the business side of things just doesn't really come as naturally. So that's, that's why my journey is not very linear. It's been kind of lots of trial and error as many of us that go straight into being a business owner or being an entrepreneur, you kind of have to, it's trial by fire. Like you have to learn as you go. So. Right. So funny. We like, I think, you know, oh man, I, I really went about this a crazy way, but like, I feel like that's everyone has <laughs> that's uh, true. some that's sort of story true. like that, you know? And On the so, outside, it looks like that, but yeah. it's not the case. I know. Yeah. It's so right, easy to yeah. think like, wow, this person, you know, they have, you know, everything bam, bam, bam lined up for them. But, you know, of course, like that's why we talk about the stuff you don't see on Instagram because that's not being shared on Instagram. Right. So one of the biggest things, if not the biggest thing that has transformed my business was entering a mentorship. So I love what you're doing with your brand mentor. And we would love to hear more about that a little later. But first, we would love to hear about why it's important for brand designers to cultivate multiple revenue sources. And can you tell us a little bit about what that means as well? Yes, cultivating multiple revenue sources. I think it's a, such a meaty topic and it's something I'm so passionate about. Like if there's any topic that I had to pick in the world of design, like when I come on a podcast or if I'm going to be speaking in the future, like this is really the topic I want to speak on because since so many of us designers come to like we're creative people we're not very business savvy usually um even if we yeah. you know took some business <laughs> classes in, in in school and stuff it's like that just doesn't come as naturally to us so i think it's so important to put this message out there for young designers because it's so easy to look at what people are doing especially like looking say it's brand design or web design you're looking up to these studios that are doing that so you think you just have to take this one set path to get there and it's like the the one thing i need to do is get clients right like how do i find clients where do i get clients 
that's the question on everybody's mind. But I think if you shift your focus to like, how can I maintain my business instead of how can I find new work? How can I find new clients? Like, what's the next big thing? I think that's really helpful. Going from like the short term, how do I get income as opposed to the long term? How do I have sustainable income? Yes, exactly. And yeah, so di- diversifying your income, like what does that mean? Like basically the way it, it, I'll say how it works in my business is I have passive income, which is basically my fonts and my templates and basically any digital products that I can sell online. And it's called passive income because it's basically, it is, it's passive. Like you can make money in your sleep. You put all this effort and work into something once you work really hard on it. You make sure, you know, it's a, usually for us designers, it's like a digital download or a course or whatever it is that you put together and somebody can then purchase it, download it. It comes with, you know, instructions, tutorials, like whatever they need. And you're done. Like you did the work once, it's ready and prepared and packaged for people beautifully so that they can use it. And then you just continue to make money, which is really great. And it's it's not like a sleazy way of making money. Passive income sounds kind of sleazy, but it's like you still are helping people. Like you're providing them with a digital product or a course or, you know, whatever it is. So for me, that's that's fonts and templates. And then I also have retainer clients is another thing that I have in my business. And I only take retainers for repeat clients like or people that have been through my branding process, people that I've worked with before, just because I have that rapport with them already. Uh, and basically, I'm just continuing to work with them on a monthly basis at a set number of hours or a set number of deliverables. And that's nice because it's reoccurring income, obviously. And then, yeah, I still have new clients. Like I'm still on the hunt and <laughs> all that for new work and new projects. And then I also alongside Jen, I'm a subcontractor at Sky High Interactive with Becca. And that's helpful. And she's not the only team I'm on. Like I I do subcontract for other designers and studios, but hers is definitely the most frequent. And I would say keeps me the, the busiest. So that's just in my business, how I've diversified my income. But there's so many ways to do it. There's so many ideas that I, you know, there's more ideas of ways that you could diversify that we can talk about. But that's just what it looks like for me in my business personally. That's awesome. I mean, and like, that's awesome. I, I think it is so, so important for, for us as brand designers, even though we have this very specific skill that we offer to our clients, it's very different from a lot of different types of design out there that we realize that that doesn't mean that we can't take on projects that, you know, may not be brand design or, you know, maybe a little bit outside of, you know, the usual client work that we take on if we're excited about it. I think we had someone post in our Facebook group recently, hey, it seems like everyone just has these amazing, you know, branding and web projects. Like I freelance on the side for this retainer client, but I don't share that work in my portfolio because it's not the type of work that, you know, I'm really trying to get in the future. And I think it's important that we talk about that because I am in the same situation. I have a retainer client I've been with for almost over three years at this point. And it's a great way for me to have some consistency in my income. Doesn't necessarily mean that I'm sharing it all over my Instagram, but it also doesn't mean that I need to be ashamed of it or not talk about it or that it makes me less of a good designer than someone who, you know, solely has income based on, you know, one-off web or or branding projects. Agreed. And I I think that because of social media and because of Instagram and because of this like air and this avatar that we all kind of wear (laughs) on social media, I think (laughs) it comes off that way to everybody because we are being specific 
or trying to be specific with the work that we put out and the and in turn that's how we're going to attract the clients that we want it ends up looking like that's the only way we're making our money and sustaining ourselves which may be the case for some people like some design studios and some designers may be doing it that way and i was for a long time but it's just not always the case and it doesn't mean that they're not like to you know piggyback on what you're saying it's not like no one does grunt work no one does design work that they don't enjoy like and that doesn't light them up i mean we all have to pay our bills and make ends meet and you know uh, yeah. contribute to our business in that way and i think in this era of instant gratification and also just comparing ourselves to others it's so easy to just think that it's it's exciting all the time which is just obviously not the case even though our job's very exciting and very cool and we're lucky to get up and do what we do every day there's always negatives there's pros and cons to everything you know so yeah definitely something that you had mentioned earlier Alex that um, I really resonated with too is the trial and error and like taking those risks to really evolve and and learn from it I think that also applies to doing this work that you're not showing in your portfolio like personally as well for years I've been like doing work that even accepting the work I'm like Sometimes I'll think, well, I'm never going to show this in my portfolio. Or sometimes I would think, well, maybe I will like this and I will want more work from this. And I go into it and try it. And then at the end, I'm like, eh, no, it wasn't for me. So I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad I got paid for it. Now moving on to something else and, you know, just trying things out and learning like what what do you like and what do you not like? And, and kind of I think the important part is reflecting with yourself whether it was worth it or not. Um one of the things I think I, I told somebody recently on the Facebook group was how these days, like I'll accept work if it's something that will challenge me. So I want to learn a skill that I didn't know before. For example, like web design, like I wanted to learn more about user experience and things like that. So I thought, oh, this would be a great project that I'm getting paid for to learn something that I really want to learn. Otherwise, I would never put the time into it. And like things like that, like realizing like how do you want to measure like what you want to take on? It doesn't just have to be for your portfolio. Yes, agreed, a hundred percent. And I think, I think, and you know, this kind of not to go into a rabbit hole, but I think it's important for people to hear this because even though this isn't directly related to, to diversifying your income, I think it does kind of play into it in a way that it's hard to figure out even how to diversify your income. It's I'm trying to put this in the most eloquent way as I can because it's such a meaty topic, but. You hear all these people talking about niching down, like that's such the buzzword that goes around and everyone talks about how important it is to niche down, which is true that it should be your end goal is to be strategic on who you're serving and how you're serving them. And over time, you know, you figure those things out, but it doesn't mean that you have to do that right off the bat to the detriment of uh, money or uh, like like you said, learning something new, like pushing yourself to learn a new skill, developing your style, like all of these things that are just naturally going to come over time. And by doing the work, like how are you going to even know you don't like something if you've never done it? And, you know, obviously you won't know how to do it if you've never done it. So yeah, I just think that's a really good point that you bring up that, you know, because diversifying your income, it's such, it's such an easy thing to put on people to say that, um, but if you don't even know what you enjoy doing or what you're good at or what your style is, it's like, how do I, what do I give to the world? Like, how do I even help? I don't even know what to do. And that's okay. You know, it's like, it's there is that like trial something, area. Yeah. It's almost like something that you should start with. 
like you should start with a diverse source of different and I think this is the way a lot of people start it's the way I did and I like I talk you know like oh man I used to take on anything that came my way anything that walked and had a <laughs> yeah. wallet I think in a previous episode I, I, I said it like <laughs> that but and you know I say that like like it was bad or something like that like oh you know that time in my life when I took anything but there's nothing wrong with that you know especially when you're starting out especially when you're finding your style or learning what you like and don't like learning what you want to learn more about I think there's so much value in accepting lots of different types of projects Giselle talks about her multimedia background and how she could literally do so many different things and just finding a niche out of thin air and slapping it on your business is not going to serve you in the long run you kind of have to <laughs> Let your niche find you a little bit. Another thing too that, for example, in my case, like I had completely overlooked when it came to diversifying your income was relying heavily on one client. Like you're not diversifying your income if you're only relying on one client to, to give you the bulk of, of your income. And that's also why it's nice to have like the retainer clients and, and other streams, other clients that are coming in and you're developing relationships with. So Alex, how do you balance on prioritizing the different revenue streams that you have? That's a really good question. That looks a lot different today than it did. Just to kind of put it out there, even though new clients were my main source of income for the first couple of years that I was like actually running the routine creative, I still went into it with the mindset knowing I was going to like diversify you know, cause I, you know, I had already started dabbling in fonts and things like that. So I knew there were things that I wanted to create that were passive and I just kind of instinctually, not, I won't say instinctually, it's cause I was in this age of the internet where everyone was telling you to do that. So luckily, <laughs> I, you know, I started thinking of that, you know, pretty early on, but as far as the way I used to prioritize it was, I guess it's not too different. I'm just busier now, so it feels different. But back then it was like, it was always, okay, let me create a font or a template or a design of some or a graphic of some kind for fun, like in my free time. And usually like for fonts, for example, that usually comes from if I'm work if I was working on a branding project for a client and I had this idea for, a, you know, a typeface that just didn't exist, I couldn't find it. I just started creating it myself for that client because I used, you know, I'd used the three concept approach and they wouldn't approve it. And I was like, okay, great. Now this is in my tool belt and I can create a font out of it. So it's just like, I just kind of let it come naturally and just created when I wanted to and what I wanted to and started putting that out into the world. I got onto creative market pretty early on and I'm really blessed that I did because that really helped set me up and set my business up for success, which was nice. So yeah, it's just always kind of been, is at least the passive income part I look of or look at as a side hustle in a way, just like for fun when I have time, which is why you haven't seen a new font from me very often, just because, you know, I, I'm very busy right now, which is awesome. I love that. I have the ability to say that. But the way I look at it now is obviously passive income. I It's there. I have tons of fonts and graphics and templates and stuff that I've created that are making me money on the regular still, which is really nice. But that's not at all my main focus right now. Now I'm focused on obviously my client work, and, you know, the subcontracting work that I'm doing. I also have, of course, now members in my <laughs> membership that I have to worry about. And then retainer clients, that's where it gets the most tricky because when you're taking on new projects, you know, with tight turn turnarounds and stuff like that, and they're paying you big bucks because retainer clients are nice because it's reoccurring, but it's not always going to be the most money because you kind of, at least in my case, sacrifice a little bit of the investment because it's reoccurring, like you're almost like thanking them for 
paying you monthly and keeping you afloat in that way. So it's tricky because it's like on one hand, you have new clients that are paying the big bucks and you're like, okay, I really want to get this done for them and prioritize them. But then on the other hand, it's like, okay, this is my repeat customer that's with me every single month. And uh, I'm kind of, I'm loyal to them, you know, like they take priority. So in my business, at least retainer clients always take priority. I always work on the quickest turnarounds for them. I just try to get anything that they need, like off my plate as quickly as possible, not only for me, but for them because they need it. And then, you know, focus on client work, then focus on my members and creating content for brand mentor. And then if I have free time, then I'll create fonts and graphics and stuff like that. But as of right now, it, it, it doesn't look like that. I never have free time to just do fun stuff anymore, which is fine. <laughs> I'm okay with that. That's, that's good. It's <laughs> yeah. a good thing. I, I think it's so valuable to hear the way other designers prioritize their work. I think that's not something that I've ever really seen a blog post on or anything like that. And it's like, that's kind of how I've kind of fallen into my priority process, I guess. Like my retainer client is, you know, so special to me. And like, like I said, I've been working for them for like three years and a lot of the time they do need things on quicker turnarounds than like a branding project, for example, which will, you know, be a few weeks or, you know, it's not like by end of day, you know, I need to like get this concept presentation sent off. It's most of the time people are more flexible. So not to say that I don't value those clients. In fact, you know, I probably enjoy working on, you know, my branding clients more than I enjoy the work that comes from my retainer client. But it is interesting the things that go into how, like, what do you choose to work on when you wake up in the morning? So <laughs> thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's definitely unique to everybody and also changes probably on a weekly basis. It's always a balancing act. I, in my head, that's how I prioritize it. But of course, in the moment, sometimes sure. you get inspired to work on something. So that takes, you know, priority just in that moment. And that's okay. Like have a set priority of like what's the most important thing to get done as far as the types of diverse projects you have but also don't be afraid to like if you're not feeling something if you're not inspired to work on something that's okay like you will be just not right the second as long as you're meeting your deadlines that's the most important part that's what writes me <laughs> i know right <laughs> I did want to go back, actually. You mentioned, Alex, the ways that you kind of started diversifying your your income and, and getting your different revenue sources going. But I would love to just kind of hear some advice for our listeners who might be starting to think about, I have this one client, but I really want to kind of start moving in different directions. There's a lot of different ways that people can go about this. So we would love to hear from you on um, just kind of how, like, what are the first steps someone should think about or take? when they're thinking about diversifying like that? I think the first step is, and this is why it can be hard. It's a blessing and a curse to have all of this information readily available to us now, right? Because if you're a, say you're a brand new designer who you don't have a style, you're, you're barely, maybe you've had no clients or you're just starting to take on clients. If you're that green, then starting to think about diversifying isn't a bad thing, but it can also be hard because... You don't know what you're good at. You don't know what you enjoy doing. So I, I would say the first step is if you're that green to just take as much work as you can, kind of like what Giselle was saying, just and, and you, Jen, too. It's like we all just kind of have to take on as much work as possible so that we know what we do and don't like. So be okay with that discovery phase and like finding yourself and just have diversifying your income kind of in the back of your mind. If you aren't that green and you've kind of 
been doing it and you're like, okay, how do I, how, how do I create something for passive income? How do I even approach retainer clients? Any, anything that you can do to, uh, to diversify. I think the way to approach it is to ask yourself, what do you enjoy doing? I mean, that's the whole point of niching. And that's the whole point of that conversation is to be a specialist, be an expert in something, work on things that really light you up, that you enjoy working on. And in order to figure that out, of course, you have to be in the game for a second. But yeah, once you once you know what you, you like doing, that's how you approach it. You have to ask yourself, if I was just creating something for fun, what would it be? And, you know, kind of ask yourself that once you have that answer, ask yourself, okay, how can I make that fun thing? Or how can I make money off of that fun thing? <laughs> so even if it's like, I like doodling or I like designing little patterns, you know, whatever it is you like doing, you can sell those things. There's ways to make money <laughs> all over the place. In fact, the longer you're in business and, the, you know, especially if you're an entrepreneur, the more you realize how many different ways there are to make money. And it's actually, it's not even the idea of making money that becomes scary. It's like, okay, how do I keep myself from trying so many <laughs> two different things and like spreading myself too thin? Because just because you can do something doesn't mean you should, you know? So yeah, that can be the hardest part. But I do want to talk about really quickly as far as, because I know retainers, even though it's kind of an instinctual thing that comes or, you know, when it comes to design, we kind of maybe take on repeat clients just on a project per project basis. Uh, or maybe people do actually have retainers set up, but you don't hear a lot of people, at least in our creative entrepreneur space, talking about it. And I think it's important to talk about because I've only been doing it for like the last couple of years and it's been a game changer for my sanity <laughs> and the way you approach it. And I think Giselle talked about this on the podcast previously too, which is, you know, only taking on a retainer client from somebody that you've worked with before, making sure there's a rapport there, having really clear, whether it's hours or deliverables, just getting really clear on what's going to be included and what there is to expect on both ends. Just setting all those expectations is the biggest part, but that, you know, that can be a really cool way to continue to make money, work with somebody that you enjoy working with, see a brand even further, like, you know, brand, website, whatever it is you do, um, you just get to continue building that for that that business and that person, which is really awesome. On the flip side of that, understanding that retainer work isn't the most exciting by any means. <laughs> there's a lot of mundane, there's a lot of small tasks that aren't as exciting as maybe like a new branding project or a new website or packaging or anything like that. Those things do come up every once in a while and you're like, yay, but it's not always that. And then the last thing I want to say about retainers too is that I know it kind of seems counterintuitive because especially if someone's coming from like a studio or like an agency, they're like, oh, this is, I got out of the game because I was tired of doing these small mundane tasks. I don't want to do that anymore. And that's okay. Like retainers isn't the only answer. You, it's not right for everybody. I used to scare me because I was like, I don't want somebody, I don't want a boss. Like I don't want somebody telling me what to do every month and giving me all these little tasks and overseeing them, which I mean, my retainer clients aren't like that. They're not like micromanaging or anything like that. But yeah, I would say if you're in that space and it sounds kind of gross to you, I would give it a try. Do a three month trial with somebody, do a six month you know, contract, whatever it is, and see how it goes and give both parties an out if it's not working. I, you always want to make sure there's value in it for everybody. But yeah, I just think it's a really important thing to talk about because so many people, if they are doing it, they're not talking about it. And it's just a great way to continue to make money and work on work with someone you enjoy and on something you enjoy. I hope that makes sense. Amazing. 
<laughs> oh, so good. Oh yeah. my goodness. I know. You're right. The more experience you have and just the more time you spend in the game, I guess, like you start to see like, oh, wow, making website templates or, you know, making semi-custom branding or having a shop or creating fonts that I think is like the coolest skill ever and something that like I would love to learn someday. You have to be realistic about the time. You have to be realistic about your priorities. Like you're saying, you know, at the very end, if you like there's time for you, if you have free time. Do you want to spend that free time creating these resources or are you trying to live your life? Or, you know, maybe you're in a season where like you really want to put your head down and like just bang some stuff out and then like that's your passive income, then like you do that. But it is hard kind of thinking about, okay, well, I have free time now. Don't want to close my laptop or do I want to like work on some personal stuff? Like once you get down into the weeds, like, man. I want to go watch TV. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you have these grand <laughs> yeah. ideas. Of like, I'm going to start a website template shop. And then you, you're like, oh, oh wait. Yeah. Like, Been there, at the end it. of the day, it's like five <laughs> o'clock. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, I haven't worked on any of my own stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Actually, let me that, – that brings up a really good point, you know, what you just said. And thinking about going back to prioritizing a little bit. A lot of people – and I kind of have to talk to some of my members about this too, because they want to, of course, jump into digital products and diversifying. And that's great. I always tell people like, don't do it to the detriment of your business. Like you don't want to like, yes, that is a great way to make money. Like passive income is a great way to make money, but it's not a guarantee. And it's going to take a lot of marketing. Luckily, I got in, like I said, create a market really early where they handle that part for you. <laughs> but if you don't have that, and of course, where create a market is today, if you're like just starting, it doesn't quite work as well. <laughs> it's a little oversaturated, but it just be aware that you don't want to create these things if you're not making money. Like if you need money in your account and for your business right now, then passive income isn't the thing to prioritize. Like it's okay to work on that, like we said in your free time, but but it's not a overnight success kind of uh it's it's a long game and it's it's a way to create things that are going to make you money over time and in your sleep and hopefully if you're really good at it, you can grow your business to a point where all your all you rely on is passive income, which a lot of people do. But yeah, just don't get overly excited about it and don't stop taking on new work just to do that because a lot of people a lot of us just want to like burn our business to the ground sometimes we want to just like focus on we get laser focus on oh this is really cool this is what i'm going to do i've done it many times including website templates like you're talking about and uh yeah it just it it never works out to be an overnight success obviously <laughs> i have a personal story about oh, cool. this too back in december 2018 i was choosing between two courses, basically. One was my mentorship with Avani that I talk about all the time. And the other one was a digital products course for creative market. And I had very low income at the time. I was very frustrated with my business. And I thought, you know, digital products are going to be the way for me to get into like this, like skyrocket into what I want to be and this and that and was super excited about it and had to choose between the two and like ended up choosing the, the coaching program. And Looking back on it now, I'm so glad that I prioritized my business first before I went into something that I didn't understand at the time was like a long-term game. And, you know, I still want to do digital products for sure. Like, I think one of the first things I'll probably do would be pattern designs because I always want to do it for my clients for free. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why should I do that? Right? Like you're saying, just because you can doesn't mean you should. But that's one of the biggest things that I learned as well is that it does take a lot of marketing. It takes a lot of 
kind of like waiting and waiting for that snowball effect to happen, right? To like gain the followers and gain like people that are fans of you and start like following and want to get your new products and things like that. So my coach even told me because I told her like, oh, I want to start a template shop by the end of January. So like a month after our first call. And she told me, you have to wait. (laughs) (laughs) And hearing it from her, hearing that from her, I was like, she knows what she's doing. So I'm just going to listen to her. (laughs) And that was like such good advice for me at the time. No, I think I think That's you awesome. definitely made the right choice. I mean, not that there's a wrong choice, but you made the better choice, in my opinion. And it can Thank be you. really hard to like not because we get excited, right? It's like, oh, I want to do this thing now. But yeah, it, it, it's passive. That like the it's in the name, you know. It's like it's passive income. It to me, it's like it's a side hustle. And anytime like diversifying is great, but anytime you think about diversifying. I I guess the way I look at it is like diversify within your niche, like within what you're currently offering, what's going to complement your current business model or your current offerings. Like a lot of people, they, they get excited by these shiny objects and like new ideas, me included. I started a photo booth company, an open air photo booth company with my mom like a year ago. And I'm already like, okay, I need out of That's that awesome. business. Like it's, I, I, I can't, <laughs> like it's taking up too much of my time. Like I can't do it. I just got too excited about it, whatever. And it's happened to me many, many, many times. And I always have to just like pull myself back to, okay, branding, web design. Like this is what yeah. I do. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just, just try to keep it like within your niche and something that's going to complement your stuff and realize that yes, every time you diversify, every time you do something, especially if it is like digital products, it's like starting a new business. It's like a new baby. You have to build it. You have to put all this energy and effort into building it, which is really exciting at first. But then once the excitement wears off and there's no sales coming through, you're like, oh crap, I just spent all this time working on this and not marketing the, the side of my business that actually makes me money. So it just it gets us yeah. in trouble sometimes. <laughs> I definitely think that it's it it can definitely be a trap sometimes, especially for for newer designers to the branding scene. You know, it can be very attractive to think about, oh, I just open up my Illustrator artboard and you know I can create a bunch of, of logos or, or or create some some digital products to sell. And you know, I get to do the design work that I'm craving so much especially, you know, if maybe you're working part-time or full-time at a different job, you know, like you're giving yourself permission to create this work, but that's time that you're not spending in networking and marketing and, you know, maybe working with a social media manager or, you know, investing that time and energy into quote unquote, getting more clients, you know, like we, we cover that a lot, but it, it's a slippery slope, you know, like it can be very fun and exciting to think about oh i'm gonna make this whole brand and you know like yeah yeah right it doesn't just once you launch just because you launch it doesn't mean that they will come you know so and maybe one one thing about brand designers is that we're so multi-passionate which is why we love working with all these different brands and like living vicariously exactly so So, yeah that's a good point like embrace that part like realize that you get to experience that just within the job that we do and to ignore doing it on your own if you want to start another business because yeah. yeah don't yes. don't do it i mean unless your business is running on autopilot already and you're like set 
don't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's not to say either that like you shouldn't pursue conceptual projects that excite you, especially if you are low on work. Those types of things are going to be like marketing for your business because you will be able to share that. We've talked about conceptual products, projects for forever, you know, so we're not saying like, don't do fun stuff. We're just, you know, saying really be intentional about it and like ask yourself the hard questions. And like, ultimately, like we're not here to tell you do this or don't do this. It's just, we want everyone to be cognizant and intentional about how you're spending your time and like your long-term strategy for growing your business. I love how Alex said it too about making sure that it's like complementing mm-hmm. your business too. Like that's that I think that's a very important keyword yes. there. So true. Um, Yeah. So like that kind of leads us into talking about Brand Mentor. And so Alex, we would love if you could share with our listeners all about Brand Mentor, why you started it. What do you get if you're a member? Um, Just go for it. Fabulous. Okay. So Brand Mentor is a membership program, which I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory in the name, but basically I wanted to take as many designers under my wing and into this community that I'm building and teach them everything that I know and that I've learned so far as much as, you know, humanly possible and just be there for them. It's, it's kind of exactly what I wish I would have had straight out of college. Like I wish I would have had somebody that I could you know, bounce ideas off of or just see their approach, see how they run their business, like uh, all of these different things. The main things that are included in Brand Mentor is uh, like a six-part framework with modules that's basically just like very, in my mind, it's fundamental, but a lot of people see a lot of value in that just to kind of get the conversation going, give people a place to to kind of kick the conversation off. And then there's weekly design critiques, weekly uh, web audits, weekly Instagram audits. Um, we also do, uh, I do a monthly coaching call, a group coaching call with all of the members as well, which is really cool. All those things stay in the members area. There's tons of replays available. It's only been, what did I launch it? Like four or five-ish months ago, I launched to a beta group and I just, in December of 2019, launched officially. Um, so it's still pretty intimate and it's still pretty new. Like I'm still figuring it out. I'm very new to the education game. Um, and that's why I didn't want to do like a course or anything like that. Because I just feel like there's so many courses out there. And they're great. Like they're, there's not a single idea that I have for a course that hasn't been done many times and done really well already. So I was like, I don't think I want to go that route. So that's why I I went more of the membership route because I just, I want it to feel like a community. I want it to feel like people can continue to come back to me and ask me as they grow so we can all just kind of grow together. And I think the coolest part about it is it, it can be intimidating, you know, that whole imposter syndrome of like, who am I to coach people and all that good stuff. But it's nice because I truly do learn from my members, you know, at the same time that they're learning from me. And we all are growing together. Like I'm not burning my design studio to the ground. I'm going to continue to uh, design alongside these people. So it's like, uh, no matter, even though it's, I would say it's tailored more towards junior designers, definitely anybody's welcome. And it's a month to month membership. You can cancel anytime. There's no no pressure there or anything. So yeah, that's basically what it is. It's it's just like my personality. It's very casual. It's very open. It's very low key. I'm not trying to like be this, you know, super crazy thousands of members or anything like that. Uh, it's just, you know, however I can, I can give back in any way that I can. I, unfortunately, I do have to charge for it just because I have to buy time from myself basically to commit to doing that. Um, but I also think that's valuable too, because some of the commitment comes in 
the transaction anyway. So like if I was just doing it all for free, nobody would show up to the coaching calls or anything like that. But once you pay some money monthly, you're like, oh, I need to, I need to do this. <laughs> it's accountability. And that yes, is exactly like invaluable. Exactly. So putting something on the line and being like, I have to make my money's <laughs> yeah, worth that. Exactly. <laughs> That sounds really cool. I really love what you're doing. I think it's very valuable. And, you know, even though you said that there's a lot of courses out there that other people have done and done really well, like you haven't done it in the way that you do it. And that resonates a lot with people as well. Like you're clearly like an awesome personality. You're very friendly and approachable. And a lot of people love learning from, you know, different kinds of people for those reasons as well. So I can see how there's like a lot of value in this brand mentor. I appreciate that. We definitely like recommend any people um, listening um, who are, we get questions all the time in in our inbox about how do I get started? Like, I I really am just, I don't even know what question to ask. Like I, I'm just kind of checking it out. I don't know if this is for me, you know, like I think that, you know, getting in, you know, free groups like ours or, or, or somewhere else, it's great, but like, you're not going to get the same type of attention that you're going to get from putting money on the line, having someone really be there for you when you need them. You know, I think that there's something so valuable about that. And so if you're just starting out or even if you're not, I highly recommend it. I mean, also I love Alex and I think he's an amazing designer. Um, so but yeah, highly highly endorsed by Better the Brand Designer podcast. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yay. That makes me happy. Y'all are very sweet to yes. say that. But yeah, I agree with you. Whether it's me or someone else, whatever it is, like, you know, Giselle was talking about she has a business coach. I'm sure, well, I'm, I shouldn't say I'm sure. I know that Jen has, you know, spent money on multiple courses and things like that. And she's always raving, raving about them. So it's like, just, yeah, use the tools at your disposal. And that's what I'm trying to be one of those tools at people's disposal as designers that is a low cost and low commitment, but also enough to get you excited and enough to, yeah, have you come in and ask the right questions and learn from somebody. Hopefully you'll stick around for a long time. I love like sustaining members, obviously, but it's also, there's no pressure. Like, I mean, if you get what you need out of it and you, you bounce, I mean, that's the nature of the beast. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it to, to help people out and to be, what I needed at that time in my business. That's amazing. I feel like there's so many values that we share with you as, you know, podcasters and then as, you know, yeah. the brand mentor founder, like, and that's why we are one of the reasons why we were really excited to have you come on the podcast because, you know, and one of the reasons why when I first started, you know, I first chatted with you that first time that we just connected so quickly. And I like, I always tell Giselle, I'm like, we're going to not turn this into a love fest. Okay. This is not going to turn <laughs> into a love fest, but like, I literally do it this is us every single back. time I have a guest on because like, I, I genuinely like just admire you guys so much. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Alex. I know like this is something that we could probably talk about for like five more hours, but um, oh, we, yes, we do need to, we do need to wrap it up. But do you want to go ahead and tell everyone um, if they're interested in Brand Mentor, where they can find you um, and how they can sign up. Yes. So if you're not following me already on Instagram, I am at The Routine Creative. And that is where basically I'll be sharing everything about Brand Mentor. I'm funneling it through The Routine Creative because that is my business and that's my primary thing. But if you're interested in Brand Mentor alone, you can go to brandmentor.co. I will be, I think at the time of this podcast is launching, I will be, the doors will be open. And I actually, I'll go ahead and announce that here too. I plan on keeping the doors open. I I was going to do this whole like uh, launch quarterly kind of thing, but for my own sanity and time. uh, And because launching just is is nerve wracking, I can't, uh, I can't do that to myself. So it will be open 
evergreen and anyone is welcome to come and go as they please hopefully by the time this podcast airs <laughs> that's awesome super cool um so let's wrap up with our inbox listener question raquel air asks can a brand designer also be a brand and marketing strategy consultant that's something i'm interested in so alex do you want to jump in with your two cents for raquel Yes. The answer is, of course, yes, you can. You can do whatever the heck you want. No one's, no one, <laughs> you get to make the rules. Um, I will say that, so there are a lot of brand designers that kind of double as a marketing expert or uh, a brand strategy expert. It's tricky because these are all technically different uh, roles. And I think it's a really hard question, but it, it's like when you first start out, especially if you're taking a lot of these courses that are basically all our alternatives to college right now are all these awesome branding <laughs> courses and stuff and web design courses. They tell you that, you know, you need to be a brand strategist. You need to have a marketing or an understanding of marketing and, you know, sell that in within your services. And all of that is true. You should have knowledge and you should learn about these things. But I find the longer I'm in business, the less I want to be a marketing expert, the less I want to be a brand strategy expert. I am a visual designer and that's the, I, I do art direction. I bring that to the table. And, you know, of course, the longer you're in it, you get to work with bigger and bigger budgets, bigger businesses, hopefully as you grow. And then, and you'll find the less they want you to be that. Like if their business is so is successful and they're paying a high investment just for your visuals, they don't need you to be their marketing expert. They don't need you to strategize for them. So it, it's, of course, up to you. Do whatever you want. If you like doing that, of course, work that into your services. I do think they definitely complement each other. Charge accordingly because those that's a big task, like the overall brand and marketing and strategy and all of that. That's a big thing to take on. But if you're up for it, then then do it. If you're good at it and you like it, yeah, no shame. Do you. I 100% agree with you, Alex. Jen had mentioned earlier, I had I used to do everything under the sun. <laughs> and um, that included like social media and marketing strategy. For a, I used to work for a state farm agent. He's still my agent. But <laughs> he gave me the opportunity to like really like work on this and like try to figure out if I wanted to even pursue this. And then I decided at one point, you know what, I don't like being the marketing and brand person for everybody. Like, I like to do my own marketing and like learn about it for myself and my business, but I didn't like doing it for other people. And on top of that, as I started working with bigger clients, they're expecting more results from these things, specifically in marketing, that I just wasn't comfortable with anymore. So just last week, I partnered up with somebody that specifically works on marketing strategy. That way, I could still offer it to the client but she would be working under me and I would worry more about like, how do I deliver the best brand visuals for this client and, you know, work with this person to, um, to provide this package together. And then the client on their end, they only get to talk to one person and get the results that they want. So everything's like simple and beautiful. So I think a big thing is um, if you do want to do it, like even if you just want to try it, try it, but then don't, feel like you have to do it just because everyone else is doing it or your client wants you to do it like do it because you want to do it and if you decide that you want to do it I highly recommend um, specifically for brand strategy I've taken the core like from the future course it's like a framework that you learn so that you can facilitate these brand um, strategy exercises and like really develop the brand strategy for a brand as opposed to just slapping on the word brand strategy on your 
on your title and like actually not delivering what brand strategy actually is. So I've learned a lot through that. It's the core framework from the future. We can also add all of these links to the podcast. I completely agree with everything that both of you guys said. So yeah, girl, you do you. That's what I'm going to say to Raquel. (laughs) Raquel, if you want to be a marketing strategy consultant and a branding designer, like you go for it. If you like it, then do it. Be a unicorn. I love it. I mean, having multiple skills is never bad too. You'll start to niche down. Like if you don't like it, you'll start to realize what parts of it you do and don't like. And then you can start to niche and niche and narrow as much as possible. And that's what we're all doing. You know, our years in business, we're just constantly trying to hone in on what do I like doing? What do I not like doing? What do I want to take out? So yeah, like Mm -hmm. she said, don't be afraid to try it if, if you need to at first. Amazing. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, We're so excited to allow this podcast to launch and be out in the world. And guys, go check out Brand Mentor. Go say hi to Alex um, at The Routine Creative on Instagram. He's such a friendly guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks. No, he actually is. I wasn't like making, I wasn't making a joke. You actually are. That's the adjective you chose. So (laughs) yes, um, thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you guys. Yeah, of course. We will see you guys in our Facebook group and in the next episode. Bye. 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 We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly or are interested in a guest interview slot, reach out at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. There are so many amazing conversations happening inside our Facebook community. We'd love to hang out with you in there. Search for Better the Brand Designer podcast to join us. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and each other.